1: Friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Steve Coble, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. Uh, and and Steve, one of the things we dive into here on, on The Common Good oftentimes, whether it's through the church or outside the church, is leadership. What, is, what do good leaders look like? And we were fascinated by an article we saw the other day at The Dispatch uh, in which Uh, There was an interview with Kevin McCarthy. You might remember Kevin McCarthy spent this short year as the Speaker of the House, uh, a lot of stuff around him. And so we're thrilled to be joined by the writer from The Dispatch who did that interview, David Drucker. David, how are you doing today? I'm great, guys. How are you? So good. We're really glad to have you with us. So. Uh, let's just dive in. A lot of us know the story of Kevin McCarthy. He was the Speaker of the House until he wasn't, and a lot of time in the news. I would just love to know what stood out to you as you did kind of, for lack of a better word, an exit interview as he's leaving the House of Representatives.
2: Yeah, it was really fascinating. You know, I I have covered Kevin McCarthy in first. uh, I've covered him for the last two decades plus and first met him over 20 years ago when he was a freshman state assemblyman uh, in California uh, when I was a state house reporter in Sacramento. And so I've known him a long time. Um, He, because of term limits in California, he gets elected to the state assembly and almost immediately ascends to leadership and becomes the assembly minority leader uh, for Republicans in the lower house of California legislature and spends a few years in Sacramento and then uh, gets elected to Congress from his hometown of Bakersfield, mm. takes over for a congressman he had worked for, almost immediately ends up in leadership uh, for House Republicans in Washington, uh, works his way up the ladder, um, and finally becomes Speaker of the House, which was, you know, no bones about it, a goal of his, something he wanted. And of course, he had never been a majority leader of any kind, meaning the top Republican in a majority. He had been the top Republican in a minority, but never in the majority. Um, and look, it was, it was probably ill-fated from the, from the get-go once uh, so many members of his conference decided not to honor conference rules and vote for him on the floor of the House of Representatives uh, almost a year ago. When he was or about a year ago, this time last year, you know, because with the House of Representatives to be elected speaker, you need 218 votes on the floor. It's not just enough to be elected by the majority of of the majority party. And he he had you know, what struck me is he had to all of that set up, which is to say it's something that he wanted mm. So it's something that he wouldn't give up on. It's something that took him, you know, essentially 20 years to achieve. Um, and then when it looked like all roads, all doors were closing uh, as he's on the cusp of, of achieving this, he made several deals with individual members mm. that ultimately sowed the – so the seeds of his premature defenestration, if you will, his yeah. ouster, because there was ultimately no way he was ever going to satisfy uh, the members with whom he made these deals. And and I would say, had House Republicans, of course, had a larger majority, he might have weathered this, but they didn't. So he couldn't, and 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 you know that that's where he found himself. Mm.
0: David, with your experience in leadership and uh, outside looking in with this whole situation, what are some leadership lessons you think that we can learn from uh, this short stint as uh, McCarthy's uh, spin as the speaker?
2: Well, you know, that's a good question. Look, I am I, a—I like to think of myself as a color commentator, right? I'm in the <laughs> chief seats. I, I never really threw a football, but I guess I can tell you what good footwork <laughs> look, looks like. Um. The number one thing I've learned as a political reporter in understanding politics, particularly legislative politics, which is different than campaign politics, is, and I will quote uh, George Schultz here, who was uh, Ronald Reagan's Secretary of State, uh, Treasury Secretary. He served, I think, five different presidents and in, in cabinets. Um, you know, about 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago, uh, was about six, seven years before he died, George Schultz told me. And when it comes to politics, trust is the coin of the realm, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And members, particularly you know, in the House or in the Senate, in a legislative body, they need to trust their leaders. And it's very important that whatever you say you're going to do, you do, and that you're better off disappointing people by saying you can't do something than by saying you can or that you'll try or that you'll find a way if you can't. And I think one of the things that Kevin McCarthy ran up against is that he had a, an honest desire to satisfy everybody, but it was simply not possible. And you know, according to sources that I have, although I think McCarthy would argue this point, um, he ended up making promises or telling members he would do things in exchange for their support that ended up conflicting, right? So he would yeah. tell member X, okay, I'll do that for you. He would tell member Y, okay, I'll do that for you. Those two promises, if you will, conflicted with each other. He could only do one, and there was just, you know, a lack of trust. Now, we need to point out McCarthy was only ousted by eight members because there was a four-seat majority, and right. as few as eight members was enough to do this, Um but I you know, I do think that it's possible when there's just more trust to navigate a situation like this. Nancy Pelosi, who in her second term as Speaker, in the last two years of that second stint as Speaker, only had a five-seat majority, mm. never ran into any problem like Kevin McCarthy did. And part of that was she really commanded much more so than he did the trust and respect of her members such that they were willing to trust her to do things and let her do things that while they might not like it themselves and might take issue with it, weren't going to go so far as to
1: try and depose her. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, David, let me uh, step away from McCarthy for a second. Uh, You said you're a color commentator, which I think is a great way to describe it. Uh, A lot of us kind of not in the political world. Uh, look at politics and just kind of roll our eyes and be like, it's just broken and it can't be fixed. Do you think the system as currently situated with, as we go into an election, like, do you have hope? Are you hopeful for the political world landscape out there? Or do you also kind of who's someone who's in it go? Yeah, no, this is, this is kind of gone.
2: Well, look, I mean, I've got two children, ages eight and 11, so I have to be hopeful and optimistic. (laughs) Uh, because you know they're they're going to be around you know God willing a lot longer than I will. Right. So I I also look at American history and the United States has gone through crises before. Mm. Uh, we've we've weathered poor leadership before, and we've always seemed to to find our way out of it. Um, you know, politics does get a bad rap, but politics is simply how we sort of peacefully. And through argument and through elections, solve our differences or bridge the divide or compromise on issues. So I I happen to love politics mm-hmm. for that reason. And politics will often tell you where a policy is going rather than the issue itself. You know, people hate when I do this, but I think that our politics will change when voters demand it. Yeah, interesting. And as long as voters are willing to accept what they're being given, then, they'll, then they will keep getting that. You know, I I love to say that that, uh, politicians want to get elected, and everybody says, why do they care so much about getting elected? Why don't they just do what's right? To which I say, well, they want to keep their job just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And if you want something different, convince them of that, and you'll get something different. And so while I do believe that our, our, our politics right now is particularly dysfunctional, Particularly polarizing, particularly divided. It doesn't have to be this way. I think, you know, there are many factors here, but voters actually are empowered to do something about it. And until, you know, and if and until they do, this is what they're going to keep
1: getting. That's a good word, especially as we move into such a such a big election season. I'd encourage people to go to thedispatch dot com. That's thedispatch dot com. There, you can read all the stuff that David writes for them. David Drucker, again, a writer at the Dispatch. Dave, this was wonderful, man. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Yep, you're listening to the Common Good. AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life.